you so much, those of you who are teaching our children. I know I said, uh, I know I said it last week, but um, if you are interested, uh, if you would like to help us uh, with our kids, I know that our, um, our classes are set up basically where every six weeks kind of your number is up and you come in and teach and uh, we're going through um, the gospel project. So that's uh, the material that they go through. So all the material is there for the kids. Phenomenal. And it's set up to teach the kids the entire gospel in three years. So uh, we're really proud of that. Love that they're going through that. I want to open this morning with uh, prayer. And uh, we we are very blessed to be here, to have the freedom to be here. And we have brothers and sisters in the world um, every week who are under oppression and uh, things as such. But, uh, but this week especially, we want to lift up our brothers and sisters who are uh, in Ukraine and, uh, and Russia. You know that there's Christians who are in the military in Russia who are just uh, under extreme um, conviction. So, uh, but we have... We have brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and honestly, just people, <laughs> because we love people, right? Like if God is in your heart, we love people uh, who, are, who are being attacked. And so I want to take a moment, and let's pray for them. So I'm going to give you a, uh, just a minute, and let's pray, and then I'll close this out. Lord, we pray for the body, your, your body that you have here, that we are a part of, God. We have members who are uh, hurting today, who are losing loved ones, uh, who are literally being hunted, and uh, God, we pray that you will provide for them, that you would be their provision, Father, just as you were for uh, your son David when he was running from Saul. Um, God, I pray that you will protect them, that you will be with them, Father, that you will be present with them in such a way that that they know, Lord, that they have peace uh, because you're with them. And God, we thank you that this is just temporary, that we will be with you for eternity, Lord. And, uh, And God, we won't feel like we're in charge of anything anymore. God, we are... We're ready for your rule over everyone, but God, while we are here, uh, we pray that you will protect your, uh, your, your children, God. And there's just, God, there's souls that we want to be in your kingdom. And uh, God, would you use this in some way to bring them to faith in you? And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Have you ever asked the question, God, what do you want from me? A few of you, good. God, what do you, what do you want from me? You may, you may not even be a Christian in this place today, and I just want to say we love you, okay? Uh, you don't 
have to be a Christian to be my friend. And I think I speak on behalf of, of, of our family here. Uh, we, we love you regardless, but to our dying breath, we will try to convert you. So if that's annoying, I apologize, but it's out of love. Uh, but maybe you're struggling with just the existence of God or, or you know, how, how, can, how can this hap- happen? How can that happen? And um, good luck with that. We see God's hand in so much. And we say, Lord, what are you what are you doing? What do you want me to do? What is what is my purpose? Do, do you know that you were put here for a purpose? Do you know that God created everything and he created you Ephesians 2:10 says that you are his workmanship created in advance for good works he saw god being outside of time saw something and he was going to need a you to fit that so he created you but we get lost in our purpose and it brings us down but there are some things that we don't have to guess. I want to show you those in the scripture. Why would God put me here? God, what do you want me to do now? I can answer some of that for you this morning. Let's go. Matthew 4:19. When Jesus meets his disciples, he tells them what he's going to disciple them to do. Because that's what a disciple is, right? If you're a blacksmith and you have a son and you disciple him, what does your son do? <laughs> he's going to be a blacksmith, right? I mean, this is, this is the, uh, if, if you're a shoemaker and you're discipling someone to be a shoemaker, what do they do? They make shoes, right? So Jesus tells them in advance what he's discipling them to do. He tells his disciples, follow me, and this is what I'm going to teach you how to do, all right? Matthew 4:19. as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he, this being Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. He told them, there was no surprises, follow me, we're fishing for people. We're fishing for souls. A disciple of Christ is someone who brings others to Christ. How? Now, we can get into that later, but we know the what. We know what we're supposed to do. If you're a disciple of Christ, I'm bringing other people to Jesus. That is the mission statement of this church. We want to bring people closer to God. Far from God, we want to bring you closer to God. Just became a Christian, don't know what to do. We want to bring you closer to God, period. Jesus said, follow me and we'll fish for men. But what exactly does that mean? And you're like, pastor, I know that, but that still doesn't tell me like, what am I 
supposed to do. Because there's not an actual rod and reel involved. If there were, I'd have it down. Listen to these two passages. We have two passages that, uh, that, that are, are, are Jesus speaking, and he gave us the, the what for. This is what I want you to do. Uh, we, we have names for these. One we call the Great Commandment, and one we call the Great Commission. This is what Jesus wants you to do. There is a certain level of questioning that a Christian should never have because it's right here spelled out. This is what God wants from you. You ready? Mark 12, verse 30 and 31. All the scriptures on the screen, by the way. If you walked in and you're like, I didn't bring my Bible, he's telling me to bring. I will have all the scripture on the screen. Uh, you've probably seen that already. Uh, nobody expects you to be a Bible scholar. In fact, you may not even have a Bible. We have one for you. We think it's the words of life. We think that God wrote you a love letter. So we want you to take it and read it. It's free. Please take it. It's a joy for us to give that to you. So uh, we want you to take that. The Bible's got an Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament uh, says that God created the world, chose a people to be a priest to the rest of the world, and promised that one day through these people, a Messiah, a Savior would come and save the entire world. And boom, when that happens, your calendar changes from B.C. to A.D., and our Bible changes from Old Testament to New Testament. Okay? That was Jesus. Mark 12, 30, 30 through 1. 30 through 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. That is what God wants you to do. Primarily, this is his commandment. He gave you two commandments. And I'm not saying this is all we're supposed to do. He said the greatest of the commandments are these. This is what he wants from you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love God. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. He made it pretty simple for us. What does God want from me? Well, here's your commandment. First, love God. Second, love people. Sounds simple, right? Then he gave us the Great Commission as Jesus gave his last words to his disciples this is what he told them. This is for us as well. Matthew 28, I'm going to read 18 through 20. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Sounds a lot like fish for men, doesn't it? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Did we get the batteries in that pack changed? Awesome. I may or may not need that. Okay. And the Great Commission. Let's see if I'm hot. Nope. Yep. Uh-huh. Knew it was the batteries. I checked them beforehand, too. Okay, so there is a level of questioning that we as Christians don't ask. What is my purpose? Why am I here? 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Boom. Okay? Go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? We have that. That is, that is my goal. That's what I'm supposed to do. So if I leave this world not loving God, not loving people, and not fishing for men, then I have not served the purpose that God put me on earth for. And possibly, if you are looking for a void filler it's like man i I believe in god but i still don't feel like i I don't fit you know you know what i'm saying there's something missing god put you here for a reason he said you are his workmanship created in christ jesus for something he saw a need and he made you you weren't an accident do you understand the complexity of our universe i read in a book the other day that if the mass of the universe were off by the size of a dime by the mass of a dime that electrons could not be shared that i mean everything would just completely fall apart god made everything spectacular i mean it just for 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 your your, your, your DNA. I mean, everything is just so intensely complex that it could not be a mistake, and it is perfect in every way. And do you think that you're different? You think that God made all of these things so mir- miraculously, so wonderfully, and then he made you and he was like, eh. Do you understand that the, 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 we, we, still, we still shudder at the eyeball. Like nobody really understands it. Like where does love come from in a person? These things still baffle us. It makes no sense. God made you wonderfully, but he made you to do something. And so when we ask, God, what now? What do you want from me now? We just know some of that because he told us. This is for every Christian. And if you miss it, you will miss so much. A.W. Tozer wrote an awesome quote in a book that I have somewhere and didn't bring with me. But I will do my best. He wrote that it's such a shame in our age, and he wrote this in the early 1900s, that we have people do our seeking for us. We find God, and we are content to just leave it there. And we're missing everything. Just like Mario. Nobody seems to agree with that. Okay, give me this. Give me this. We got to take a little break in, in the sermon and, and play a little Mario. On an Xbox controller, don't judge me. Okay, let's do this. Ready? Here we go. Are y'all ready? Little Mario. Here we go, and... What? I mean, imagine, because y'all have played Mario, right? I'm not the only one. And you're like, dude, you turned it off. I got to the game. I turned it on. I opened it up. I was there. Have I played Mario? Yes. Are you a Christian? Absolutely. 
I found God. But you've never seen Bowser! You've never gotten the little feather. Y'all remember the old one where he had the feather and you kept hitting the thing and you could just fly through all the levels and there's turtles and you can kick turtles at people? It's awesome. But if you don't go into the game and explore what's there, you'll never see it. You'll never see Bowser Jr. You'll never see the little witch lady that runs around and gives them all their powers. You'll never see any of it. Just because you found the game doesn't mean that you've explored it. In fact, it wasn't even any fun, was it? So you prayed a prayer and told God that you believe in him, but then you didn't explore? It's like turning on a video game and then just shutting it down. You've missed it. You're like, well, the, to, to know the Lord is the most important thing. Yeah, but do you know him? Like, do you know? If that was all you knew of Mario, do you know Mario? I mean, what does he say when he completes a mission? Do y'all know? Nobody plays? Somebody help me. What do you When he turns it on, what does he say? I mean, you... you you, you have to play the game to get to know him. You don't know Mario. I've lost y'all because you're looking at each other going, what does he say? <laughs> y'all are still going. Everybody is still. Has anybody come up with it yet? Juan said he never won a level. He doesn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. If you're not exploring your relationship with God, if you're not digging deep and getting to know who God is, then, then then you're missing it. You might own the game, but you can't play it. So what do I do next? Throw yourself into the game. Throw yourself into the scriptures. Give yourself to Jesus. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you can't muster up love for your neighbor, then we've got to go back to the first and greatest commandment, which is what? Love the Lord your God. It's sort of like the airplane where they say, This is your captain speaking, and they give you all these instructions, and they say, in the event that the oxygen masks fall down, first place it on yourself, and then place it on your kids. Well, that seems selfish. Yeah, but what they understand is that if you're dead, you can't help your kids. The first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And we don't love the Lord because we just turn on the game and we turn it right back off. We've never experienced God. We've never seen the power of the movement of the Holy Spirit. We have no idea what God is except for something that we got in a 30-minute, a 30-minute, 30, yeah, right, 30-second snippet of something that Stephen Furtick said. Y'all know you listen to Furtick more than me. You just, you got something online and it was like, wow, that was really inspirational. It wasn't even about God at all. It was, it was something he stole from Zig Ziglar. Like, you have to dig into Jesus to know Jesus. And it's a shame. Uh, and, and, and I'm not saying, don't come to church, I have nothing to say. No, this is, this is the gift that God has given me to be able to say, this is what God has for us. 
as a body right now. But you, for yourself, there's so much eating to do. The, the scripture is just this massive buffet of things that you can take in. I wonder if the disciples, because like they got that, right? They got the, hey, come fish with me. I'll make you fishers of men. And they're like, oh, I see what you did there because they were fishermen. But it's like fishing for souls. I get it. That's cute. And then God gives them the great commandment. And then uh, he, he gives them the great commission. But before he gives them the great commission, there is a point there that is, is so relatable. They've followed Jesus for three years from age 30 to 33. And then, and then the one that they're following dies that's a blow that's a blow to your uh to your cause when the leader dies this wasn't supposed to happen he's supposed to be the victorious king right but now they're going back through and maybe there's something different i can't tell you what the disciples are thinking but at some point jesus has died there's a rumor that he rose again some said that they've seen him, and the disciples are like, kind of where you are. It says in, in John 21, 1 through 11, after this, Jesus revealed himself to, the, uh, to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two other of his disciples were together. Verse 3, I'm going fishing. Simon Peter said to them, we're coming with you, they told him. They went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now when Jesus found his disciples in the earlier passage, what were they doing? They were fishing. And now he's gone and, and we're kind of stuck with that, like, <laughs> what do we do now? We, they remember all of his teachings, but, like, what do I do? And where did they go? They went right back to doing what they were doing when Jesus found them. Is that not relatable? Man, I had this whole experience. And I bought the game. <laughs> I believed in God. And then, like, it just kind of nothing really ever happened from there. And eventually, I just kind of went back to doing what I was doing. It's the American story for Christianity, is it not? You know, when uh, I was 30 years old, I had been working in uh, traditional churches. And I knew that God wanted me to plant a church and do something that looked more, you know, uh, missionary than sort of a traditional church. And I thought, well, I've got to detox. And so I, 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 detox is kind of a bad word. <laughs> uh, it's not like churches have taught me poison. I'm, I, don't, I don't mean like that. I just kind of, I, I had to get, get out of what 
uh, was traditional and, and, you know, learn to do things a new way. And so I found a guy who uh, was planning churches and just was doing a phenomenal job. And I said, let me shadow you. And it was awesome. He, he, he let me follow him and he taught me how to plan a church. And so when we came to Ranger, we knew just what to do. And we hit the ground running, and you guys were crazy enough to follow us. And then we had all these preview services come help us start this church, and it was just growing. And we packed this, uh, this, this little building out on the other side of the campus. And then we came here, and we had this grand opening for a church, and we did it. And then the next day, I called him, and I go, what do I do now? <laughs> you taught me how to do everything I just did, and I did it. Now what? And I feel like as Christians, we, we feel like that. Like, I've, I've done everything you told me to do to this point, and now it's kind of vague. By the way, he coaches lots of church planners, and he said, everyone calls me <laughs> after the first service and says, what do I do now? What do you do now? You begin to come to church. You begin to sort of throw yourself into this Jesus thing. Like, hey, I'm not a scholar. Don't get me wrong. But like I'm ready to take some steps. What is, what, what are you, church, what do you want to do with me? I actually have an answer to that. Do we have a slide? Uh, do we have a slide for what we do during the week? Yes, here we go. This is, this is what we have right now. You're here at 10.30 right now, so there's the first one. Uh, this evening, we'll have a discipleship class at 6 p.m. right here. There's snacks. We talk Bible. I love it. We have nursery if you have kids. Youth, 7th through 12th grade, Monday. Uh, if, if you struggle with addiction, we have an awesome Bible study uh, Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. at our uh, student center right on the other side of the college campus. is the building right behind Shooters. Uh, love for you to come to that. Wednesday, we have fourth, fifth, and sixth graders who come up here, and we have boot camp for them. It's awesome. It's, it's incredible. The other day, we completely tore up Raphael's car because we were teaching him how to take fuses in and out of a car, and we put the fuses back in the wrong place. So had to tow him home afterwards. Those kids are messed up forever. Now, uh, and then Wednesdays at, at 7 p.m. past my bedtime, uh, the college, they start hanging out, and then they go, I, who knows when they quit? I always go home. But it's awesome. If you're in college, it's a fantastic Bible study. And we have all of those things for you. And the question is, what if I do it all? What if I do it all? And then I, like, I know the Bible Forward and backward, preacher, you still haven't answered my question. What does God want from me? And I do have an answer for your question. That's not for me to tell you. We want to disciple you. We want to show you Jesus. We want to just kind of, uh, uh, what, what's the term, like, like pique your interest we want to get you into the Bible and give you an understanding. That's what we're doing t- tonight. It's just like we want everybody to leave and go, I love this. The Bible's awesome. It's the goal. But I can't tell you what you're supposed to do with your life. That's not my role. No, no one in here is going to come up and say, you know what? The Lord gave me your assignment. Here it is. 
we can disciple you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. We teach you how to do it, but nobody's gonna tell you when to do it, where to do it, to whom to do it. That's not, that's not what the church does. In fact, what we do is we're your cheerleader while you're doing it. I hope you understand this. You are not. Our, so the volunteers of this church, which is like a, a, a good portion of you out there, are volunteering. I'm so proud of you guys. You are not my stepping stone to build this church. I am your helper to do what God has called you to do. Do you see the difference? Because it's huge. You don't exist for me. I exist for you. To help you because God has called you to do something. But what? You won't know until you get into the game. You won't know until you start serving. Anybody here ever drive an old tractor? I can take one of these old Ford tractors and set it out in the parking lot, and we can have a competition while it's parked to see who can turn the steering wheel to the left. I mean, you've got to be a full-grown dude to be able to do it. It is hard to turn. Put it in gear and start driving, and you can steer it with a finger. In fact... It turns so easily that anybody ever had this? Or you're driving along, you hit a rock, and those old steering will snap your wrist off because it steers so easy. Same with you. Until you start moving, it's hard to turn. But when you start serving God, when you put yourself out there, when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, He will steer you so easy. And you'll go, yes, I see this, I see this. And it goes from what do I do to God, there's not enough of me. Bring people up, bring people up. And we have a sea of Christians going, what now? No one can tell you that but God. I can tell you I need help with something. I can tell you we've got three, four, and five-year-olds who need the gospel taught to them. Like, I, I, yes, at, at some level we can say, hey, there's a huge void there. We have a, a college campus right here with almost no one knowing Jesus. I mean, there is just, there's so much to do. But until we begin to move, we don't know what to do. God will show you. Do you understand that the, super, the, 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 the supernatural is just part of our life? As a Christian, God is putting things in your way constantly and he's showing you and he's steering you. And these, these appointments that you have, these meetings that you have, and these people that you meet and this job that you got, you begin to realize this was not coincidental. I am God's masterpiece and he put me here with all the tools that I need to get it done. I think sometimes God gave me all the tools I needed to get it done and nothing else, literally. <laughs> Give me something. And you feel like that. You have everything that you need to do what God has called you to do. Verse four, I'm in the same passage still. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus' friends. Jesus called to them, you don't have any fish, do you? <laughs> 
Remember, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now Jesus is gone, and what did they do? They went back fishing. Just the disciples. Ain't nobody on the boat. They ain't no witnessing anybody out there. So when he says, you don't have any fish, do you? This is symbolic. It's more than just fish. No, they answered. Is that, is that not our answer? <laughs> Who are you discipling right now? Who are you leading to Jesus right now? Because he has it. He has it for you to do. No, they answered. Verse 6. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. It seems ridiculous. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he had taken it off and plunged into the sea, since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away. The other disciples came in the boat, dragged the net full of fish, uh, dragging the net full of fish, verse nine. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish You've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. This is dripping with symbolism. It was more than just fish. He's saying, I know you don't know what to do now, but if you'll listen to my instructions, something as simple as put the net on the other side. Something as simple as turn the other direction, call your friend, visit this person is going to give you a mess of fish. And he says 153 of them. It's kind of a strange, like very specific number. As this is written down, like how did he remember that? 153 fish. What's the purpose in the number? 153 doesn't seem to be a repetitive number that is symbolic of something. It just seems to mean there were a ton of fish, and the purpose is that the net didn't tear. Once you begin to serve God, he's going to give you so much to do that sometimes you feel like the net is going to tear. It won't. God is going to uh, provide a way for you to do exactly what he told you to do. So what do I do now? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go make disciples of the nations. Yeah, but how? What? Go fish and eat with Jesus. Okay? That is where your instruction comes from. It is way above my pay grade to tell you the purpose that God put you here for. It is way above my pay grade to tell you who you will minister to. I, I can't. That only comes from going to the shore and eating with Jesus, from listening as he calls out, cast your net on the other side of the boat. That's what discipleship is for, to learn how to hear the voice of the Lord. That's what we work on. That we can help you with, but we can't tell you. We have, a, we have a lady who's uh, here, I believe that she's working today, uh, but she's been back for three weeks out of rehab and came straight to church. Is that awesome or what? You are not clapping. That's awesome. Okay. 
The reason that she came to church in the first place is because she was working at a store and a member of our church, a partner in our church, we did, membership's a little country clubbish for us, so a partner in our church, somebody who is in love with Jesus, made it a point to go through her line at this store every time, inviting her to church for months and months, and she came, and she went to rehab, she got clean, and she's serving the Lord. Yeah. Now, why? Yeah, God did the transformation. God did the transformation. But somebody went fishing. I can't follow you to the store. And, and I say that like if I'm always doing things. I'm trying to listen for myself. If nobody's following you to the store. No church is going to give you instruction. Look, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go through the same checkout line every time, okay? I need you to request the same person to work with at church. I need you to go check up on these people. Nobody can tell you that the Holy Spirit will lead you to do those things. I want you to move to this place. I want you to take this position. You've got to have confirmation from the Lord so that you know I'm on the right track. And if you're on that track, it's from the Lord. And so I'm looking for everybody in my path to go to heaven. Got it? He called you to fish for men. Which fish are you fishing for? Anything I can cast for. Anything in the way of my nets, because they weren't out there with the Zebco back in the day. You've got to explore God. It's not enough just to find Him. You'll miss the beauty if you don't get to know Him. And as you play Mario, You'll find in different levels, you unlock new things. My son has a switch, which means I've been playing Mario lately. And back in the day, we didn't have a penguin suit. There's a penguin suit now. And he can run on ice. And then there's this one where he gets really tiny. But you don't get those until farther levels. God has so much for you. It's never going to stop. You're never going to get to the place where I go, I've unlocked everything. I know everything. You never get there. He's inexhaustible. Never finish exploring who God is. He will always have something new for you if you're seeking Him. Worship team, I want you to come up. Galatians 5, 13 through 15 says this, for you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. You are free. You don't have to follow God. He died for you to make you free. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. You have the choice to do whatever you want to do. I urge you, serve one another through love. Go fishing for men. 
Be discipled in Christ. Explore who God is. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. And so it's hard to muster up love for my neighbor because I feel like I'm being consumed by my neighbor. Not only can I not love them, I can't even be around them because it's just eating me up inside. It's just killing me. You have something inside of you, Christian. You have something inside of you, and if you will explore it, you will understand that it will overcome the world. Christ has called you to walk by the Spirit. Jesus told us in John 10 that he came that you would have life and have life abundantly. And just turning on the game and turning it off is not abundant life. Explore who God is. It's not found in attendance. It's found in involvement. This is not something that we do. This is something that we are. We are worshipers. We are seekers. We explore God. It's just in us. It's every part of us. Every person on my team, every person at my job, every person in my school is a soul that I love and I want to see to go to heaven with. There is more purpose than you can possibly handle in your life. So, what do you do? I'm sorry. I can only help you with part of that. Who? That one's not me. (laughs) When? Well, now, let's say that. Where? Where are you? Start there. But the Spirit will lead you. God will lead you into those things We want to disciple you so that you're prepared when that happens. I want to teach you how to swing so that when the ball is on the tee, you can knock it out of the park. That's what church is for. We want to be your cheerleader. We want to motivate you. We want to share testimonies with each other about how God is showing you. We want to inspire one another. But He will give you the assignment. You just have to explore. If you haven't gotten that part yet, man, you haven't gotten past the first level. He has so much for you. And guess what? You are the right person for the job. You might not think so. You might not like you. You might not love you. You might not think you're good enough. But it really doesn't matter. Because I believe that the God who made everything so perfectly also created you. And I know that he made no mistake when he did it. I want you to pray with me. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you have given us a reason. You've given us a purpose. You didn't need us. I don't know why you've chosen us even, but God, we receive your love. And I pray that you will use us for your, uh, for your kingdom, Lord. Give us faith. We believe. Help us in our unbelief. And we ask this in Jesus' name. The worship team's going to play, and baskets are going to come up. Uh, part of the way that we worship as a, as a, a Christian is with our tithe and offering, but also uh, we want you to let us know what you're, what, what's going on with you. If we can walk with you, if we can pray with you, will you uh, drop something in that basket for us uh, so, that, so that we can do that, get a hold of you this week. But better yet, 
we want to pray with you. I have some people who are just up here just to pray with you. Uh, I've got Tim right here. Uh, Samantha, who else is uh, here to pray with people on our prayer team this morning? Here's Belinda. She's going to come to the front. We want to pray with you. They're going to be sitting here, and uh, we've asked them, hey, would you just be here because we want people to come up and pray. So the worship team will be here. I'll be here. That's great, but a lot of times we just somebody comes and nabs us. Uh, so when the worship team begins to play, they're just going to sit right here on the on the front. And we want you to come, and we want them to pray with you. So stand and worship with us.